the guy with the face. You're in a full circle again. What's he in? I did know that. We fabricate relations. relations. Next to somebody. Three degrees of separation. Cogs have started turning. In Hollywood. Welcome back, everybody, to the next episode of the Hollywood Cast Connection. It's the game show podcast where we fabricate relation through degrees of separation. I am Sam. I am one degree away in literal relation from my co-host, Paul, who's also here tonight. Paul, what's up? What's up, man? How you doing? I am so good because I am drinking my favorite soda. Which is not sold in the state where I live. Oh, nice. It's a sparkling Grapeco soda, which Grapey-co. you can find in the state of Alabama. Oh. And my amazing girlfriend, Hannah, just came back through Alabama from Georgia and Florida and stopped and got me some Grapeco. So I'm just having like the best day ever over here. That's awesome. How are you going to sleep with that sugar high, though? What is that, like 46 grams of sugar? Everything puts me to sleep. If it was black <laughs> coffee, I would immediately go straight to sleep. <laughs> That's insane. I don't understand that at all. Um, hey, we're not playing a game today. We're doing something else, which I am super excited for. And As am I. Equally exciting. <laughs> if not more exciting than uh, playing a game. I think Changing it's more. Up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about, but I'm more excited about who we get to talk about it with. And that is our resident physician of film, the Doctor of Batman. <laughs> it's Kyle Hammonds. Kyle, welcome back, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for having me back, guys. I've got to start taking these uh, titles you've been creating for me and putting them into the uh, resume. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Did you guys not see that it says physician of film? Because that's definitely on the header. That's what. <laughs> Awesome. How's things going for you, Kyle? I know you're um, finishing up your very important scholarly stuff and and job hunting and all that jazz. So, right. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, chipping away at a dissertation on the Joker. So the Amazing. the Batman title you bestowed on me in the last episode, I think, is even more accurate now than ever. <laughs> Uh, I'm really excited to talk with y'all today. I've been watching some fun movies lately. Some are new, some are older. Yeah. And I think some of those rewatches are going to play into our topic. I think our topic is um, probably the most concise encapsulation of like me as a movie watcher. <laughs> it's like the majority <laughs> of my favorites of all time kind of fall into this group that we're going to be discussing and we might as well go ahead and say it. The group that we're going to be discussing is movies from the last, or I guess the previous decade. So 2010 to 2020. Whew. What, what a great <laughs> span of time for some great movies. No kidding. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I forgot how many things actually came out in that decade. And as I was looking through the, insane thorough list that you made it's like dude how like it feels like some of them were longer ago and then it feels like some of them were just just recent but um yeah i don't know it's it's going to be fun to go over you know movies actors directors all the things that happened in that decade film wise so 
I was very surprised at the number of movies from just 2010 that I ended up wanting to include. I know, yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten how many came out that year that I have rewatched over and over. For sure. And then maybe that was just because of the the time we were spending in the theater in 2010. I don't know. I watched a lot of those movies in the theater and they still hold hold special places to me maybe for that experience, but they're just quality. Like a lot of just quality stuff came out in the past decade. For sure. Paul, how old were you in 2010? 11. Awesome. <laughs> I didn't see anything that came out in 2010 that wasn't like a kid's movie until at least 2015. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but you've probably seen everything that has come out by now, right? Uh, Well, I've seen a lot of them. <laughs> I've seen a lot of them. I haven't rewatched, it seems like, as much as you guys have. But like going through this thorough list... Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, I watched that movie. I re I remember things. <laughs> I saw that once. And as far as like all these technical aspects and everything goes, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I watched that movie. So, <laughs> this should be fun. I uh, I may just sit back in this corner a little bit and just absorb. But if I uh, if I feel like popping in there, like, hey, I watched that movie. It's probably what you're gonna hear mostly from me for this conversation. <laughs> Excellent. That's going to be really good perspective for us because we've got the rose-tinted glasses, right? The nostalgia of like going to see those movies in the theater or whatever. So you can be our gauge for like, that was actually a good movie or, oh, you're just remembering that you did this fun thing with your friends right. in 2010. <laughs> That's true. That's an awesome point. I will. I would like to go back and touch on the rewatching. Um, I think that has probably prevented me from seeing a lot of movies that I should have seen because I love those movies so much and I spend so much time watching the same ones over and over again. So as you do, you know. Yes. As you <laughs> I do. suffer from that as well. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, and it was, I mean, it wasn't just the beginning of that decade, right? The 10 and the 11 and the 12. Good night. Like the, the middle was just chock full of stuff. That was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And like weird moves that people made that I was not expecting, right? Some of the actors that were doing roles in one thing and then another thing and then a weirder thing, you know? Um, yeah. It brings people's to mind... People's careers change a lot in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it brings to mind like Emma Stone was in The Help before she was Gwen Stacy. Like, how is that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you kind of went the other way that than where people normally go, but then Jake Gyllenhaal did as well, right? Because he was in everything awesome that Jake Gyllenhaal was in in the decade, and then he was in Spider Man. So who knows, right? Who's to say what the formula is for success there? No kidding. <laughs> I had great difficulty keeping myself from putting Jake Gyllenhaal down like repeatedly. In sure. my <laughs> He is great. And just so many, so many awesome things. things. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of how many of these movies on this list I've seen with you, Kyle, because there's a lot. <laughs> I know that you, you and I have watched <laughs> together. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I should have had more Baby Driver. Now yeah. That you mentioned that. You can't. You can't have enough Baby Driver. So. <laughs> I saw them. <laughs> I've watched several times. <laughs> so if it's if it's helpful for the listeners, I I started building this list in January this past year because I thought, hey, we just wrapped up 2020. 
I'm going to do something for best of the decade. And I have this, it's all right for me to do a minor shout out. I have this Facebook group called movie talk with Kyle Hammonds and anyone who just wants my constant spamming of like (laughs) movie news is welcome to hop in there. But I was like, I'm going to do this series for this little Facebook group and I'll have people tell me what they think of their favorite movies in the, in the 2010s. And then the call came out for folks to hop on the show with you to talk about their favorite movie things. And yeah. I was like, oh, this would be so much better <laughs> talking than Sam and Paul. <laughs> so I have this list I've been working on for like, I guess, 10 months now, right? Oh, yeah. And wow. all of these different categories. And I have no idea if we're actually going to be able to talk about all of this or <laughs> any significant chunk of this tonight. But we'll at least get through some of our favorite movies from the past decade. And I think that's going to be good. For sure. And that's, I mean, the whole list is impressive and needs to be published somewhere because it's accurate. I've seen a lot of lists of best ofs. Um, and this is like, I could make a separate list and I have I have a partial separate list, but it overlaps with yours so much that I'm like, I'm just going to read Kyle's list and then I'll plug mine in that he didn't have on his. But um, yeah, let's... Uh, you know what? Let's start um, as we do on that other podcast that I host. Let's start kind of towards the bottom, and then we'll work our way up to what your favorite movies of the time were. Um, build a little suspense there, because you've got twenty under picture alone um, for for just movies. So, yeah. what was your criteria in making this list as far as what you included, what you maybe excluded? Because there is a section at the bottom too that is. Um, you know, overlooked or underrated movies. So how come right. some of your, some of my favorites are, are maybe in your underrated list? What, what was the criteria for getting on your favorite picture list as opposed to being one of the underrateds? Yeah. You know, I've been dreading this question since you said <laughs> we could talk about this together. <laughs> uh, I, so ultimately it's subjective, right? Of course. <laughs> it's yeah. it's going to be, uh, the things that, that spoke to me are going to be different than the things that spoke to other folks. But there there were things like I thought it was an outstanding example of high-quality craftsmanship in features like cinematography and editing and things like that. Um, but I think some of the stuff that was more important to me were like, did I learn something from this? Was I willing to watch it over and over and over again because it had that kind of impact on me? So the, the feeling that the movies left me with, right. What had the most profound emotional resonance with me? Sure. Did it touch on something in the zeitgeist? Right. So Movies like The Social Network, which came up several times on this list, was something where I thought, yeah, this really touches on how technology impacts the way that we interact with other people. And that's really, really big with the proliferation of social media. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that touched right on the cultural pulse, you know, in addition to the fact that it had brilliant performances and was (laughs) crafted (laughs) standingly. For sure. So that's excellent. Yeah. And you, you can definitely see that in your list. Um, And I, we talked about that when we talked about the Academy a little bit, right. As far as um, something, 
speaking to an issue or or touching on that that zeitgeist pulse like you mentioned um which is funny because some of the academy choices in the 2010s were <laughs> surprising <laughs> but um but your list i think is a much clearer um uh, i guess a more uh it's a it's a selection that I relate to more. It's a more relatable selection is what I was trying to say. Um, then, then some of the other critics lists that would just go off of something like, you know, cinematography or isolate individual components of, of these movies. Um, I thought it was interesting just to go all the way to the bottom that you had wonder woman in your top 20 <laughs> movies. So tell me about this. Cause I like wonder <laughs> woman, but I don't know that it would have made my top 20. So. Right. Uh, well, as we've mentioned here before, one of my research specialities is in superheroes and sure. how those are part of cultural myths. And uh, so I've spent a lot of time with them. And superhero movies tend to be really popular, which means that there are folks who are really into them. But then that also means that there are folks who will criticize them because they're not high culture or they seem formulaic to certain folks or whatever. I thought that Wonder Woman was a near perfect example of what can be done within the genre. Mm -hmm. um, I think Patty Jenkins was able to take these conflicting values, which related very intimately to some of the conflicts that we were seeing through political polarization and such in the United States at the time, she took those values and embodied them in characters, put them in conflict in ways that teased out the uh, different possibilities for how people can grapple with those tensions, and then did it all in a way that was like beautifully shot. Right. And it was fun and funny, but also had serious emotional stakes and yeah. uh, just really, really a brilliant example of what I think can be done within the superhero genre in a way that's productive. For sure. That's a excellent way to put that. Um, a lot of those, especially the DC movies, which I know get a lot of flack uh, <laughs> there, they tend to mm -hmm. lean, lean into the cheesy a lot. Um, and wonder woman didn't really, uh, there were part, again, you said it was funny. The first wonder woman guys, not the, not whatever the second thing was. That they did, but <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I definitely really enjoyed that one. And I think it maybe it's it's accessible because it's characters that people are familiar with. But on its own, it holds itself up pretty well as just a great movie anyway. A great story and great, great message. So, yeah. I think that Kyle could talk me into liking any movie that I didn't like <laughs> after hearing that incredible analysis. <laughs> now you just want to go watch Wonder Woman. I know, right? Like, with new glasses, I want to watch it. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know, that movie wasn't that great. Because that's as far as my knowledge goes in the world of things. Well, there's a lot of stuff that, that I would watch and then maybe not get as much out of it until I talk to Kyle. Um, one of the movies that we watched together we'll talk about in a little bit because I want to spend more time on it than and brushing over it but like get out was one that everyone was like oh it's this horror movie by this comedian guy and it's a really like it's a great horror movie and it is but it's also a lot more than that <laughs> it's like you may not catch all of that on first brush just to an ordinary film goer um and paul you don't watch horror movies anyway so hey 
<laughs> I've made efforts. I've made efforts. Yeah. I've well, given up weekends of sleep right? making efforts. <laughs> you did, You just watched too many A24 movies in a row. I don't know why uh, you chose that. Uh, so. <laughs> too many Ari Aster A24 movies in a row. Yeah. I have a terrible time with those. I haven't even watched Hereditary. I don't think I can. That's the one. If I can do I didn't it. sleep for like 56 hours after watching Hereditary. Yeah. I got into an Instagram argument with a guy who tried to tell me that Midsummer was a better movie, which I guess is the consensus. But I really, like, as a scary movie fan, Hereditary was better to me than Midsummer was. But Midsummer's like more real, though. Like, Midsummer wasn't real. scary. Nothing no, about that movie real. was scary. That's what I'm saying. That's what I makes guess. it different, I think, and probably why. <laughs> that person might have thought it was better is because sure the hereditary thing's not really happening but midsummer could actually definitely happen <laughs> we'll bring that back around to get out right not that it actually could happen as far as brain transplants or whatever but <laughs> oh. but the connotations of, of it are... what's that mm -hmm. oh but in terms of the allegory oh yeah it's absolutely, absolutely. happening yeah. right definitely um and then it's it's again in this in this unexpected, unassuming package, right? Like you're getting, you're getting the Wonder Woman feels from a movie like Wonder Woman, and you're getting the Get Out uh, soapbox speech without. I mean, in a horror movie package, it's just very interesting the way that those are, those kind of things are executed. So, um, mm -hmm. and all in this wonderful decade. That's uh, right. <laughs> this was secretly the the Halloween episode. So, <laughs> oh yeah, there it is. We're just going to talk about the rest of the horror movies on the list, and we're done. <laughs> um, another one farther up. I mean, I'll just get get go right from Get Out to another comic book movie. You've got Black Panther pretty high up on your list as well, um, which is another, you know, similar to Wonder Woman, right? Um, different but similar in the way that it's a it's a comic book movie. You know, it's a superhero movie mm -hmm. and. But it resonated with an entire uh, demographic of people that didn't have that representation previously, right? And uh, it definitely made a big cultural dent um, where that was not present before. So, right, uh, innovative in a lot of ways. One of those ways being, of course, putting a black superhero character front and center, which is very important. But then a lot of um, some of the techniques from the, say, the cinematographic side of things have now kind of caught on. Okay. So there's this, for example, this scene where, um, what's the name of the villain? Killmonger. <laughs> Killmonger is walking into the throne room, right? And as he's walking in, the symbolically that's marking a change in the power structure there right but the camera is tilting so it rotates the room mm -hmm. upside down while he's walking into the throne room there mm -hmm. and that's you know rotating camera on a on an otherwise still shot is something that you would see occasionally but now it's like a staple right. of action <laughs> movies i see it all the time in action <laughs> movies now yeah so it works panther was a a trendsetter in a lot of ways absolutely and that wasn't even an action scene he's just walking in and that awesome kendrick <laughs> lamar song's playing in the background and it's just <laughs> <laughs> right. 
And I love Kendrick Lamar, so I'm going to talk about Kendrick Lamar. The rest of this podcast is me talking about Kendrick Lamar. So just FYI, you guys. Everybody's staying on. Everybody wants to hear. Uh, and speaking of cinematographic, um, I guess, innovation, what in the world? There's a bunch of crazy stuff that went on in, in this decade. Uh, a lot, especially by this guy named Christopher Nolan, um, who did a whole bunch of awesome stuff in this decade. And some of my absolute favorite movies of all time are Inception. Um, Inception just as a movie as a whole, but then to look at Interstellar. I think we've talked about it before where Interstellar is one of those ones that you can't watch too many times in a row. Um, hmm. Just it's a little a little heavy. Um but Inception, I could watch Inception on repeat forever. As confusing as it is, it's just, it's perfect. I love that movie so much. <laughs> I do too. I had never seen anything like that, like when the city folds over, you know, and then the mirrors on the bridge and just, it's genius. Like that someone's mind could conceive that and then execute it <laughs> the way that they did. So, yeah. It's the same kind of trendsetting thing too, right? Because you see that in other movies now where an entire yeah. city will be flipped on its side or upside down, and you automatically think, oh, that looks like Inception. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's what you go to. When I went to go see Doctor Strange, I was like, did I pay to watch a Chris Nolan movie? <laughs> right? <laughs> Definitely. Oh, yeah, because they're like, they come out the window, and the then they're walking on the side of it. And, yeah. 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 Bending NYC apart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, you have Inception up higher than Interstellar. I think that's correct. So good, good job there. <laughs> Be surprised. I went back and forth on that. Oh, really? A lot. It's very clear cut to a lot of people I ask, but I, there's some cool philosophy stuff in Interstellar that maybe isn't as cool to everybody as it is to the, you know, the academic in me sitting and watching sure. it, but it's got a lot on like, uh, Kantian transcendentalism in addition to all of the science-y stuff. So I thought it was a really smart way to combine uh, like physical science with philosophy in addition to having some really cool emotional arcs. But then if you ask me, would you sit down and watch Interstellar five times in a row or Inception five times in a row, I'm probably going to pick Inception. <laughs> For sure. I'm going to pick the one with Tom Hardy and the big gun. That's the one that I want. So. <laughs> yes. I think we need in a movie. <laughs> I have very low standards. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm still, I'm looking at this list, man. I love everything on this list. Um, I love almost everything on this list. Let me throw oh. a hot take at you. I would have put Ooh. whiplash on this list and not La La Land. Does that make me a bad person? No, I, I was having this argument with my brother a while ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> loves La La Land, but also loves Whiplash. Sure. And I, I don't know. I, I thought through, like, why do I love Whiplash? And it's mostly J.K. Simmons. Definitely. Yep. There are a lot of other things to like about it. Obviously, it won Best Editing at the Academy Awards and everything. Mm hmm but in terms of my connection to it, it's mostly J.K. Simmons. Sure, yeah. 
in See, the best possible way. Yeah, and I think that's probably why I would have put it higher. I don't really have a connection at all to La La Land. I watched it and I enjoyed it, but I like, I mean, I like looking at Ryan Gosling as much as the next guy does, but like, I didn't really get, I didn't get a whole lot out of it other than it's Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Like, there's people in the movie that I like and it's fun and musical and I like that kind of stuff, but um, I don't know. Maybe I need to revisit that one. Cut, give me the give me the highlights of La La Land and tell me why it's a good movie. Like you just converted Paul on Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wait, before you do that, let me tell you my experience with La La Land because okay. I am going to need to revisit yeah. it also. I watched it at a very strange time in my life, I sure. think. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I don't remember like emotionally changing anything throughout the entirety of the movie. And at the end of the movie, I just like laid on the floor. Like when uh, the movie ended for like 10 minutes, I just laid on the floor and it was like, it was like, why did I do this? Why is this happening? So that's my experience with La La Land and why I don't want to watch it again. Cause I don't want to end up on the floor again. Gotcha. So now convert. Were you consciously convert. on the floor or was it you, you genuinely thought that nothing was occurring and then you realized that something had occurred when you stood up? No, like I watched the movie and the movie ended and at the end of the movie, the only place I wanted to be was no longer on the couch facing the TV or talking to my friends about the movie. I just wanted to look. Gotcha. That's fair. That's probably the most unique reason I've ever heard why someone doesn't want to watch a movie. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is good for perspective, though, because this one might have some nostalgia aspects for me. I went with... Uh, my best friend from high school, and this was after we had all moved off and started doing our own things. So he and I were both able to visit our childhood homes, and it happened to be around the same time, and that was the movie we went to go see. So there's probably something about that. Sure. That factors in. But also, uh, so the I think the craftsmanship is good, the editing and the cinematography and all of that, and uh, that buddy who I went to go see it with, was working as a professional cinematographer and gaffer for um, local film productions, picking up whatever uh, jobs they had available there. Sure. So he was really big on the cinematography of the movie. But in terms of the emotional impact, as a person who we're, we're about to get really real here we're about to get the, the true i can't wait Kyle Hammonds. the <laughs> as as somebody who has gone through who like hasn't found a long-term partner in life okay but who has dated folks and always ended up going through breakups i thought the ending of that movie was honest in a way that i don't often see in films of that genre because sometimes people can really like each other and it just doesn't work out. There's sure. other things in their lives that they decide are more important. And I think sometimes the like rosy image of love that movies project out there can be damaging. I mean, I think it's nice. I like Believe me, I like the the regular go lucky romance movies, right? So I'm not sure. trying to rain on anybody's parade about love or whatever, <laughs> right? Uh, but Kyle hates love. That's the new new T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's the soundbite. That's all we got to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, but as you know, if that's all you see all the time, you probably think love works in this really formulaic way and sure. everything, right? And that's just not true. Yeah, definitely. So the, sense the genuineness, yeah. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, I was going to say, like, I have this need for emotional resolution if I'm going to commit two hours of my life into watching a movie, you know? <laughs> like, I need it. And when I don't have it, it's when it messes me up. But it's got to be because I've been conditioned that way because every movie I've watched since, you know, Toy Story has always given me that at the end. And so uh -huh. to watch that movie, it, it was especially bad for me because not only – did they not end up together? Like, that would have been fine. The problem was that they showed me like they had ended up together. They show you how their life goes when everything's perfect and it ends like a normal movie and then just rip that rug right out from under you. <laughs> Which I hear what you're saying, and I actually agree with you and think that that's a brilliant observation. Sure. <clears throat> but, I mean, to explain my psychology with that movie, it was like... I have to have the emotional resolution in a movie. Otherwise, I'm not going to like the movie pretty much. Even if it's a great movie and I might like everything else about it, if you don't resolve it at the end and make me feel good, or it just has to be resolved, even if it's bad. If it's high through the <laughs> middle and comes down low, I'm okay with that as long as there's a balance. How do you sure. watch Coen Brothers movies if you have to have resolution? Because I don't. They I watch almost them never once, do. <laughs> and I mostly watch them for the sake of the trivia, for the oh, sake okay. of the knowledge that they exist. And I've not... A massive fan of them i think that they're gotcha. awesome obviously objectively sure but i don't necessarily <laughs> sit down and think man i'm gonna watch this movie because i love it because it makes me feel good because no <laughs> one does that what kind of psycho is watching nihilist movies and just like this makes me feel so happy uh that would be me i like those <laughs> a lot we'll come back to coen brothers in a minute um i do i i understand what you're saying about the need for the resolution or whatever and i i feel the same way right like if you're going to if you're going to invest in the conflict, you want some of the catharsis. And I think they just did it backwards, right? They started with resolution and then just went. Like... And ripped it. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, so mean. That movie's mean. <laughs> it's emotionally frustrating. So I, I understand that's not everyone's cup of tea. In my list, La La Land was, was pretty far toward the bottom. Sure. It still broke the top 20, but it was. Sure. I understand. It's no, I mean it's a great. It is a great movie to watch, though, to look at, and like it's very colorful, and it's very like it's filmed really good, and I like the way that Damien does those the whips, right, the whip pans or whatever, just, like yeah. so fun. <laughs> um, great actors. I mean, the, the whole thing was it was a great, um, just a great standalone piece. But I, I understand what you're saying. Why you have a different connection to it, maybe than I do. Um, and maybe that's because mm -hmm. I've been married for 15 years and just whatever <laughs> that is, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, excellent, excellent choice, though. Um, so we just talked about Coen Brothers and we just talked about Ryan Gosling, and you've got some of those on your list as well. So um, sure. <laughs> let's talk about the Coen Brothers one first, because did, how many movies did they make in this decade? Do you know? Ooh, I don't. I don't either. Cohen, I'm Googling. But this yeah. is the one this is the one that stands out to you the most as a Cohen Brothers movie from this decade. Yes. And that one is the um the it's a remake, right? It's a remake of an older movie. Um hold on a minute. I'm clicking. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's a retelling of the same story. A retelling of the same story, told. right? Yeah. Remake was yeah. A, an incorrect choice of words there. But it's the uh the Jeff Bridges 
Rooster Cogburn, <laughs> True Grit, right? <laughs> Which is actually one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, really? I, I mean, I what these are, right? But there is a there is a charm about that movie that is difficult to beat. Sure. It's it the, is uh, the girl, man. And yeah. of the Coen brothers. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely more girl. positive. So. She makes it. She's wonderful. The like hymns in the background through the entire thing are wonderful. Um, the mm -hmm. lack of contractions <laughs> is wonderful. <laughs> I do not understand how they did not use contractions for an entire movie. So. <laughs> but how fun. How fun was that, right? And I think that right. kind of adds that Cohen quirk to an otherwise not really Cohen Brothers kind of movie. So um, mm. they obviously did some other things too, but cast is great. Great story. I like a Western. Like I love a Western. So I'll, I'm all in anytime there's a Western. And to have a Cohen Western, I was I was all aboard. So what do Even you better. like most about that movie? Other than it's charming. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well... <laughs> First, I just think it would be fun for the audience to know that as Paul was explaining his feelings about the Coen brothers, you couldn't see Sam's face, but it, his countenance did fall for a minute there. <laughs> there was a recomposure, so that might be important for some of you to know. <laughs> so I don't know how to audiate that. So. <laughs> there's no way. Their, the their imagination out. is going to be far better. <laughs> <laughs> uh true grit has this this really interesting uh kind of through line emotional arc for the characters it's a lot more about the development of relationships than many coen brothers movies are so I think there is, for me, a stronger feeling of catharsis there than what I experience in some of their other movies, which I thought was a, a plus. And I do, in general, just love the the Coen brothers. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, No Country for Old Men was uh, 07, but if we were no. dipping just a little bit further back, that would have been... About it. Can we reach back and grab one and forward and <laughs> grab one? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm all about that. <laughs> Uh, and the performances, you know, there's there's no weak link no. in there. Mm -hmm. And rewatching it years later, you think, wow, I I knew that a couple of these people were famous already, but who would have thought that Haley Steinfeld was going to to blow up into who mm -hmm. she is? Donald Gleason is in that movie yeah. for like <laughs> ten minutes, right? <laughs> right. Harry <laughs> Pepper as the the main bad guy. Yeah. And Matt Damon has that mustache. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. You can love that. I love that mustache. I want to get one of those jackets, too, that he wears in that movie. Just grow a mustache, get one of those jackets, get a horse. Just be rad. <laughs> yeah, definitely. She kind of she kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know what she was in before that. Was she in other things before that? Haley Steinfeld? I don't know. I don't think so. I think like that's the breakout role, right? That's what people call it as a breakout role. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and then 
she's just become a part of everything that we love now, including Hawkeye, which comic books again. So there you go. All right. <laughs> I was so excited when they announced that they were adding her to the cast. Oh yeah. Jeremy Renner's already great. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and in several of my favorite movies from 2010 to 2020. <laughs> oh, same. Yeah. Uh, one that's not on your list that would be on my list, probably. Again, I've talked about this before. Your list is perfect. Like, your list is wonderful, and you have everything that you would think would a Kyle movie would be would be on that list. And again, most <laughs> of that would be on my list, too. But I would honestly probably put The Town on my list just as far as favorite movies that I watch all the time uh, from 2010. And again, Jeremy Renner kind of coming out of nowhere and just playing that insane Boston, like, ex-con <laughs> criminal guy so perfectly. Um, very well written and acted and I guess directed. Uh, I don't know how much Ben Affleck really had to do other than just be from boston to direct that movie so <laughs> yeah uh you know as i was so i put jeremy renner on my favorite supporting actors list mm -hmm. for that movie specifically and i knew as i was placing that there that you would put the town in your top 20 movies for sure <laughs> <laughs> um uh, too probably not as much as you love it but it's so well done like especially the character work right they had yeah. pete uh pete you know pete puzzle pa -pa we know Puzzle's pete late. his last name starts with a p we don't need to talk about it more <laughs> the florist you can just call him the florist everybody knows who you're talking about mm -hmm. that's yeah. right yeah and uh one of the rebecca's one of the best rebecca's like mm -hmm. uh, hall 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 yes hall. not not ferguson Yes. Right. Not Lily James. <laughs> <laughs> she was in Rebecca, right? The remake of Rebecca. We uh, talked about that. Yeah. 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 So Emily had already seen, this is a tangent. Emily had already seen the old Rebecca and she was like, that movie creeps me out. I used to watch it at my aunt's house all the time or whatever. I'm like, that's so strange. Like, you know, Tracy, why would she be watching Rebecca all the time? So we watched the old one and then we watched the new one. It's very weird. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean that one, there's like moments and again, it's not even like my favorite part of the movie cause I'm a heist guy and I like them robbing banks and armored trucks and breaking into the cathedral of Boston. Right. Um, but that scene of dialogue where they're on the street and Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner, like basically come to blows over this argument of I'm leaving and you can't stop me. And it's like, I did all this stuff that I can do. And you can kind of just feel like that mania that Jeremy Ritter has for the Ben Affleck character where it's like, I don't know, it's just mm -hmm. so well acted and like so emotional and just, I, I really get into that. And I was really, I didn't really know much about Jeremy Renner before that movie either. So um, to see him come out and guns blazing, if you will, <laughs> like he, he was swinging for the fences with that one scene specifically. So. Yes. Yeah. And did he get the Oscar nomination for that? I don't know. I know it got nominated for, um, Director? Screenplay? It got nominated <laughs> for something, right? Didn't it? But I don't remember who. Oh, yeah. yeah supporting actor. He did. He good. Was. Yeah, he good. was awesome. He was. He was honestly... I've never considered it even before because I just watched that movie and I'm distracted by all of the craziness. Sure. Because <laughs> it's a right. heist movie. When you break down that scene, it's like, yeah, he, he kind of is the best thing about that movie. Yeah. Definitely. In a sense. 
he plays that balance between like you can tell that he he loves and cares about Affleck's character, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's got all of that frustration and anxiousness just bubbling under the surface, and you never know when he's going to lose control of himself. For sure. Which I would imagine is very difficult to convey. That's know, right? right. <laughs> yeah, where does that come from? Like, it seems like it's because it's like fury because the care is not reciprocated, right? Sure. It's like yeah. you're supposed to feel the same way about me and this family and everything because this is your place, these are your people, and you just want to get out of here, right? It's like I want you to feel like this the way I feel like this, and it mm-hmm. makes me furious that you don't. <laughs> he, he might have drawn from his actual life in <laughs> – in developing that character. <laughs> what do you know you... about Jeremy Renner that you're not no, telling No, I'm saying how do you how do you like fabricate that? I guess it's asking asking a question of any actor that does anything ever, but sure. <laughs> but to that level, I mean, with was such great success, I'm sure that he was thinking about something or maybe sure. just putting himself in a different headspace, but it's mm-hmm. not it's not important. Yeah. But I, this is too long of a tangent about the town, but moments like that in movies like it's a heist movie, right? Again, it's it's a superhero movie, but it's got something great about it. It's a heist movie, and that's at the end of the day, it's all it is, and it's entertainment. But moments like that, like Heat, right? Like when they're at the table, like it's a heist movie, but that scene right there is like, this is why this is a great movie, you know? Um, and I feel oh, yeah. that way about the town, so. Yes. Um, right. And then some sometimes in the 2010 to 2020 decade, people convey a whole lot of emotion without talking at all. And as they do in one of my favorite movies of all time, Drive. Um, and I know they talk some in that movie, but some of the most emotional scenes in that movie are when Ryan Gosling is just looking at Carrie <laughs> Mulligan or at Benicio or, and not saying anything at all. It's like, how do I, what am I feeling right now? And how are you doing this with your face that's making me feel this? <clears throat> and you have Drive on your list um, up higher oh, yeah. than... Some other stuff, which I like a lot. So <laughs> let's talk about Drive. <laughs> it was a movie we talked about a lot when it first came out, right? I love it so much. I do too. Uh, the score is really great. Yeah. Really, really great. So fun. From that first song that comes on, I think it's called, um, is it Night Call is the first one they play? I'm giving you a night call. Yeah. 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 I love it so much. And now, like, I'll just play that song sometimes, and it puts me in that mood of, like, <laughs> I just want it to be nighttime, and I'm driving a car, and I've got gloves on, and a jacket of the scorpion on it. And it's just, like, <laughs> the things I like about that movie. Let me go off on a rant here. The things I like about that movie, <laughs> yes, the acting is great. Um, there's not a ton of dialogue. The story is cool in general just as an idea for a story, but it's just cool. Like, everything in that movie is just cool. Like, that's what when you if you had to look up cool in a dictionary, it's just drive. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah. You're a yeah. stunt man who flips cars in movies for a living and then drives around criminals at the end of the day. What? That's so, so rad. I love it. Sweet jacket. <laughs> so rad. You got a hammer. Dude, he's crazy. <laughs> no, the hammer. No. <laughs> hammer. Oh, man. Parts of that movie were gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the when I first started studying performance, I 
I tried my hand at directing a show and there was another more seasoned director who was coming in and giving me feedback. And I asked him if he had to give a piece of advice, just one piece of advice to a new director that was going to make their life better and change their production, what would you tell them? And he said, it's got to be cool. Oh, awesome. <laughs> nice. That's perfect. What great advice. It's got to be cool. Um, and then yeah. I saw you also had Easy farther to... down your list, um, Albert Brooks from that movie, right? As a, as one of your favorite supporting from the decade. Definitely. Yeah. Oh man. Yes. Emotional arc. Yeah. Gosling had a good emotional arc, but mm-hmm. Bernie. Yeah. Man, he, he really, like he was a, terrible guy but he had to go through some stuff to get away with being a terrible guy oh definitely he didn't he didn't necessarily enjoy it and you can you kind of get that vibe when he has to stick that fork in that guy's eye (laughs) (laughs) i really liked ron perlman and no i didn't that's a joke he was (laughs) ron perlman i could take him or leave uh, a lot of good character. I mean, the Brian cranston character was great and you feel you feel for him um and his interactions with Brooks, um, Albert, right? His name's Albert. 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 Yeah. Albert. Um, I, I was just thinking Howard, and I'm like, why am I thinking his name's Howard? It's not. What was his <laughs> name in Taxi Driver? Was it Howard there? No. <clears throat> he was in Taxi Driver. Don't make that face at me. It's been so long since I watched Taxi Driver. He worked with Sybil. I believe you, though. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He had a big afro. Um, mm-hmm. which maybe, maybe drive is just the sequel to taxi driver. And that politician oh. guy grew up to be this crime Lord. And then, I don't know. <laughs> and he's still oh, dealing oh. with people who drive cars and are partially insane in one way or another. Um, <laughs> drive though. Um, I will say the only disappointing thing about drive for me is that it is the best Nicholas Winding Refn movie because I wanted yeah. it to be Drive and then more better stuff after, and it's not. It's just it got progressively weirder. Um, but maybe that's another reason why it's my favorite because it's the least weird winding movie, you know? Mm. Yeah. At some point, you've got to be able to make sense of what's going on. Sure. Right? So, like... Only God Forgives was what he did right after that. And that soundtrack is amazing. Yep. It is amazing. But I have zero clue what I'm looking at. What's the point of the movie? I still have no idea what the point of that movie is. The one scene where the other brother's like, I'm going to go do this. And you're like, what? Why are you saying this out loud in a movie theater? What's wrong with you, guy? (laughs) It's just, it's just weird. That felt like a foreign film because I've watched a lot of like, I don't know, like The Raid 2 is one of my favorite movies. Oh, when did that come out? Was that in the past decade? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's on my list if it did. Um, but there's parts of that story that are just like, is this like a regional thing that I just don't get? And then they're in Thailand or whatever. Is it Thailand and Only God Forgives? And you're like, these challenges seem very specific things that I don't get at all. And I'm not really like, I'm not following this at all. 
<laughs> the Raid 2 2014. Uh-huh. The Raid 2 has officially been added to my list. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. They also had the the weird thing going on for Only God Forgives, where apparently Nicholas Blending Refn just wrote down all the scenes that he wanted to do on note cards and just pinned them up on a board <laughs> and then moved them around as he no. saw it while they were shooting the movie. <laughs> And there wasn't really dialogue, so the actors just like kind of made stuff up when they thought someone should talk. <laughs> That's quite strange. Mm-hmm. Again, it looks cool though, right? Like the coloring in those movies, right? Coloring is a thing that people do in movies, right? I'm not making that up. People add <laughs> color to scenes, and like the the reds and the brights and the darks and like all the weirdness going on in that looks great. And even like Neon Demon looks cool. What is happening? I have no idea what's going on at all. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll just cross our fingers. He comes back around. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm done talking about Ryan Gosling now. So let's talk about Bennett Miller and Kyle. Kyle, I know you love Ooh. most sports movies. He said sarcastically <laughs> as, and shook his head. <laughs> but I know that my favorite sports movies are these movies, these two that are both on your list, which makes me very happy. Um, and and I know that you and I share that. So let's talk about those. And we can find out how Paul feels about them as we go. Yeah. So it's funny. I, I put them on the list not even thinking about them as sports movies. Sure. But you're absolutely right. They they both center around their sports, sports. movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch them out of interest in the sport. Sure, but the sports are there. <laughs> the the sport is Moneyball. That yes. has it. It foregrounds baseball. I think a lot more than Foxcatcher foregrounds wrestling. Sure. Um. The thing about Bennett Miller movies are that he he takes like six to ten years between all of his projects, right? So he has thought out every little detail sure. of what he was going to do with these movies. And he is an actor's director, if there ever was one. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, like, Explain that. <laughs> yeah, his... He has an idea of how, I mean, this is just based on the snippets I've read about, you know, interviews with people who have worked with him and and whatever, but apparently he spends a lot of time working with the actors, trying to communicate to them, you know, what he's going to do with shots and editing and like how it's going to fit together so that he can get the most consistent, genuine and intense emotional performances out of them in a way that, you know, makes sense to them so that they can convey it in such a way that it like comes through yeah. um, his way of filmmaking. Right. Well, that's awesome. And he that's does cool. it in an ethical way, which I think is important because you can read about <clears throat> other directors who like get these great emotional performances out of people. And it's because they're putting them through torture, right? <laughs> like they're either yelling at them sure. the whole time on set or in these, ridiculous conditions right where they sure. could die of hypothermia or whatever yeah right uh player seems to care a lot about emotional resonance but doesn't want to compromise the safety of anybody who's working with him sure 
So I, I didn't know that about Bennett Miller and the, and the way that he communicates with the actors and stuff like that. Um, I did hear something interesting the other day, and I think it was Jeff Daniels talking about why he doesn't direct anymore. He's like, I like to be an actor because you rap principal photography and you're done. Every other person on that movie still has two thirds of the movie to do after the actors are done. Hmm. So to be able to maybe convey that to them on the front end and say, I want you to do this this way, because after I edit it and I do this to it, it's going to look like this. Like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Like, I feel like that would be very valuable um, direction to to add some intention to scenes and things like that. So <clears throat> that's great. And difficult, right? Sure. To, <laughs> yeah. to have decision with what you're doing while you're doing it instead of retrospectively sure um, well that's, that's why it takes six years to do it kyle so <laughs> that's why it takes so long yeah yeah moneyball is one of my favorite all-time movies ever all time like if we had an all-time favorite movie list moneyball would be in the top 20 there probably 10 so um i like that movie a lot um the acting the music the story jonah hill I mean, you can't go wrong. So that's great. <laughs> but you have Foxcatcher up higher than Moneyball on your list, um, which I've only seen Foxcatcher once with you, maybe, <laughs> or I borrowed it from you or something. I don't remember where, where did we watch Foxcatcher. Yeah, your parents' house, maybe. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I've watched it many times. Sure. <laughs> I like it a with... lot. I need to watch it again. Um, Holy cow, Steve Carell. What, what's going on right. there, right? Right. He's yeah. way up on my my actor's list, right? For if sure. I can find that. He's number four. Yeah. On my favorite performances of the decade for that movie. For that one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that one just, man, speaking of of touching on the zeitgeist right like people have more money than they know what to do with and if they would do different things with it the world would probably be a better place <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff about isolating people there's all kinds of stuff about uh, how people become vulnerable because of the capitalist structures we have in place there's things about ignoring mental illness right mm -hmm. and then for me, as a nice personal touch from that movie, it's about the closeness of two brothers. Sure. And I have one sibling, which is a younger brother, who's my best friend. You all realize, you know, the yeah. value and importance of, yep. of strong relationships with your family, right? Yeah. yeah. We talked about this so, when we talked about Onward. So, yeah. very <laughs> Onward's a very different mm -hmm. movie than Foxcatcher. But, yeah, that same vibe. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that was Mark Ruffalo was the older brother in that one, right? Yeah. He was also in my supporting. He's number two on my supporting actors list for, for that, that movie. movie. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's great. Um, and I think the, uh, a lot of what he did again, back to the zeitgeist, right? The, the people in those kind of positions that lose touch with reality to the point where they, inflict their control onto their surroundings to the point where it doesn't it doesn't even have utility right it's just i'm doing this yeah. because i can and you will comply um or you i will shoot you from the window of my car so that kind of thing <laughs> well that uh 
so the fact that it's based on a true story mm-hmm. makes it all the more uh, impactful in the worst way. Sure. But it's like, so I've been watching Squid Game. Oh, yeah. And that show is fantastic. I just finished it. This isn't all that different, right? It actually <laughs> happened. It wasn't as explicit as sure. like, let me invite you to this place to die. Right. But it was like, I'm going to throw money at you at your most desperate moment to work yourself to death. Yep. For me. It's, for my my pleasure. Yeah. For my amusement. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. It's very... It's the, uh, uh, the box catcher is squid game. <laughs> Split game is great. Do you want me to tell you how it ends? <laughs> Listeners, let me tell you how Squid Game ends. Everybody just turned there. It was all a dream in Hurley's mind. The island is purgatory. Oh no, that's lost. Never mind. We're on something else. You know what happened at the end of Lost? I think it was purgatory was the thing, right? My favorite, one of my favorite things was on 30 Rock where um, they're talking about Lost or something and Jenna, Jane Krakowski's character walks up and she's like, I was hanging out with these guys from Lost. I don't know what they meant, but they said it's all in Hurley's mind. And then everybody just gets super angry with her because she just spoiled the entire show like halfway through. It's pretty funny. 30 Rock is so good. (laughs) Uh, speaking of Squid Game, let's go right into the only foreign language movie that you have on your list. I think it's the only one uh, of the top 20, uh, one that I just watched recently, and that is Parasite. Um, were you familiar with this director and his work prior to watching Parasite? Yeah, I had seen um, Snowpiercer. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And then I always forget that's him. Snowpiercer. <laughs> Right, right, right. But then, if you if you go rewatch it after you've seen Parasite, it will be abundantly clear that he is tackling the same sure. kind of themes of classes uh, and things like class that. and mm-hmm. capitalism and its impact on class and all of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I had also seen Okja, and oh, then yeah. after watching Parasite, I went to track down some of his other stuff. And if anybody has not seen Memories of Murder, mm-hmm. that is a fantastic Bong Joon-ho movie. I have not seen it, but it's it's in my list of Bong Joon-ho things to watch. Um, the I, t- I totally forgot he did Okja, too. <laughs> I, when I was talking about his movies, I was thinking about um, The Host and Mother and, and Memories of Murder. Because uh, those are the ones that seem to come up all the time when you talk about this guy. I didn't know who he was at all. I had never seen – I had seen Snowpiercer, but I forgot it was him. I had not – I was not familiar with the type of movies that he made. And then this – this Korean movie was nominated for best picture. And then one, and I'm like, what is going on? And it looks like it's going to be a horror movie and it might be, but it's not. And it's, it's funny, but it's weird and it's heavy and it's dark and it's light. It's just, it's all over the place and it's incredible. But right. Right. But it feels cohesive. Right. Yeah. That's the amazing part to me is that you go through, I mean, it does this, insane genre bending thing but then you don't feel like you've been watching five different movies right. it all goes together somehow for sure definitely that um 
And like, I don't, it's it feels real too, probably because it's in a residence, right? And it's like places where people should feel safe. And then to think that other things might be happening there that you would have no idea about, like it it builds real tension without being <laughs> like a scary movie, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And and a lot of that is kind of based on just normal human behavior. They know they're doing the wrong thing, and the the tension is not oh they're gonna find us and kill us. It's like Oh no, they're gonna find out that we're actually just terrible people. Right? <laughs> like it's right, it's yeah. super strange. Um mm. but the acting in that was really good too. Uh the father character and mother character, especially. I liked um both fathers and mothers, I guess, did a really good job with that. So just super, yeah. super strange. Um <laughs> I like yeah. I don't I don't even know how to describe it other than just saying watch it if you haven't seen it, but <laughs> difficult to capture isn't it yeah i just said like eight adjectives and none of them really go together but they all apply to this movie so. <laughs> yeah they have some really memorable shots in that movie to uh so many of those wide shots of the of the house mm -hmm. and i actually did a, a conference talk on this movie last year for the the uh Korean American Communication Association. And part of the film analysis was a breakdown of that house, how they have these layers. And as characters gain or lose status, mm -hmm. it becomes more or less difficult for them to get access to the different layers of the house, right? Wow. And where they are. Yeah. I They've got a lot of visual that. stuff going on. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because the sun kind of starts upstairs as the tutor, right? And then the basement is where the people are that they don't even know. <laughs> it's like they're, they're blissfully unaware of the things underneath them um, until they're not. Right. So, yeah. so <laughs> Paul hasn't seen it. So he's got this huh? Paul's reactions in his face. are just like, what, what? So, yeah. It's so, totally my fault at this point that I haven't seen a best picture winner. Right. Like <laughs> there's no excuse for that. It's only two years old too. Right. Maybe. I think so. Um, well, we talked okay. about the um, the symbology, to quote Willem Dafoe from Boondock Saints, symbolism <laughs> of the house in that movie. Um, we're about at the hour mark, so I do want to talk about the rest of the stuff on your pictures list specifically, and then we, we've kind of touched on some of the actors. We can look at some of those too, but I don't want to jump off without talking about another movie that I saw with you that visually symbolically uh, just movily in general, that's a word now movially um, love it is, is perfect. It's a perfect movie. And that movie is number one on your list where it should be arrival. Yeah. What, what a film. <laughs> what a film. I was nervous putting this one there because a lot a lot of both fan and critic lists put the social network sure. at the number one spot and it's at my number two sure i love that movie but uh oh man <clears throat> arrival gives me feelings every time and I have watched it many times because I assign it in my classes. And oh, nice. so I rewatch it every time my students have to watch it. And uh, 
My, my, my. I think the... So we can talk about how amazing the cinematography is. We can talk about all of it, yes. It's, and it is. <laughs> yeah. We can talk about how great the acting is and the editing is and, you know, Oscar nominations all around in categories like that. Mm-hmm. But the things that really pushed me over on this one were first my so i decided not to pursue acting and directing as a career but i still study performance concepts and i study popular culture texts right Mm -hmm. so where i landed with that is narrative studies and so i've taken classes on narrative theory i've taken screenwriting classes i've done consultation on uh screenplays for independent film i've done amateur festivals with screenwriting all of this to say writing is my thing, and I've probably taken entirely too long to, to make that point. No. <laughs> the writing on this movie, y'all, <laughs> uh, it is kind of tough to surprise me sure. anymore. But that movie really swept the rug out from under me. And it's it's not just the fact that it's surprising that makes the writing good. Yeah the fact that they are able to do so much with character development between figures who can sparsely communicate with each other is absolutely incredible. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they use those relationships to make points about the value of communication, right? And the, there's the longstanding trope in sci-fi is that aliens are are others they're sure. the the stranger the one you don't know and that's scary in most movies right and this movie is able to play with that trope to say hey just because you encounter someone different than you doesn't mean you automatically need to be scared of them right and you see the way that that plays out the people who are scared of them end up escalating and creating problems that shouldn't exist right. solely based on the fact that they're acting out of fear. And I don't know any person who couldn't use a reminder of that yeah. lesson. Right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, that, I mean, they created a language, right? Like the, the whole experience between the, the beings and the human beings, I guess, is just a phenomenal presentation in itself but then the communication between the human beings and the human beings is also like (laughs) it's Uh and the way that and if you haven't seen it i don't want to say anything but uh, you've seen it right paul i've seen it yeah the way that it's laid out right like i mean it's all about communication right which is your thing so you know (laughs) you can probably i want to know more about what you assign in your class but like when you realize, when you figure out, you know, the surprise in the writing, it's like, wait a second. And then it, you have to go back and watch it again, or you have to at least watch the clips. And, and then you have to figure out not only were they having trouble communicating with these things they didn't recognize, there were, there were communication breakdowns in every part of that that had to be repaired through different methods and things like that. So uh, yeah. I watched that one with you for the first time, I remember. And I, I remember being in shock at the end of the movie, like, it it has the, I don't know, it has the emotional resolution or whatever it is that you need in it. And maybe not is resolution. Um, 
But then my immediate first thought after watching it was like, hold on a minute. Like, I have to go, let's go back and watch this other part. Like, I have to go see this again. I have to see this thing that happened. Um, and then other things are pointed out to you as you go, right? The light in the windows and the position of things in the house. And just, it's brilliant. Uh -huh. It's a perfect, like, it's an escape room that you never want to leave. <laughs> like, just give me more clues as to what's going on here because I love this whole thing as a puzzle. It's, an, it's just wonderful. It's yes. like, I feel like, because I've only seen it once, mm -hmm. and I feel like it's not one of those movies that, like, you want to watch again. It's like, in order to get it, you have to watch it again because oh. of the light in the window and stuff like that. Because they show all of these things to you. You'd have to have, like, a perfect photographic memory right. and then also be a genius on top of that to put all that together <laughs> just from watching it the first time, which I do not possess. But, I mean, talking about it afterward, you know, when it's presented to you, you read stuff or people tell you about it it's like oh that's super interesting and i never went back and watched the movie again so i feel like i've been shortchanged on that experience a little bit <laughs> definitely but i've heard the i've heard the whole story you know sure. and i i get the light in the window thing and all of that now but but yeah it's it's interesting that they would do that in in developing this story uh to force the viewer to have to watch this thing again in order to get the full experience like <laughs> I feel like that's not something that's done often at all. It has been it, done, but mostly in infuriating ways in my experience uh, or in ways that are like, you know, like a lateral thinking problem or a riddle that's like, why did the chicken cross the road? Well, his house was over. like, it gives you some detail and hmm. in the answer that was not evident throughout the whole buildup of right. the story, you know, like Donnie Darko drives me insane. I have... <laughs> I have no idea how anybody would watch that movie and just be like, oh, I get what happened. No. Like, you have to have a handbook to understand Donnie Darko, and I still don't. But this one's right. like, you watch it, and then you watch it again, and you're like, wait a second. And then you watch it again, and you're like, oh, man, this is like, this is genius. So, <laughs> yeah. On that note, given that it's spooky season, I've been working through some creepy movies that I've never seen before, and oh, I watched... Uh, Mulholland Drive for the first time. Wow. Speaking of movies, you need a handbook to, to get through. <laughs> yep. And David Lynch every time, right? Every time. Still no idea. Like, even <laughs> Twin Peaks, right? Who who was the villain? What? And how are we supposed to just know this, right? <laughs> make, oh, he was... Oh, it's just some, you know, interdimensional demon who likes to possess people. Okay, were you going to tell us that at some point? Because... <laughs> We're just kind of making a lot of conclusions here. So, yeah, uh -huh. it's bizarre. Uh, so Ar Arrival was, to me, it, it was nice in the fact that it it's not, like, incomprehensible. It's insightful, sure. right? And the, the structure of the movie mimics the way of thinking of the, the alien beings that they encounter. So it's, it kind of reminds me of, um, what's that early Christopher Nolan movie? Following? Which one? Memento. Memento, yeah. Memento. Yeah, the structure's kind of like Memento, where you sort of go back and forth between past mm -hmm. and future and then end up in the middle. Yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The movie's five years old. If you haven't seen it, that's good. Yeah, five lost. years. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We've hit the mark. Yeah. So y'all have let me 
talk a lot about these movies that I like, which I appreciate, and I, I sensed that we are getting close to wrap-up time. I would be curious to hear what each of your number one movies would be before we hop off. Paul, do you have an idea on what yours would be, number one of the decade? Yeah, are we counting 2020 in the decade? Yeah. He's like, what 2020 movie would possibly be on your number one? Was that 2020 uh, or was it 2021? Hold on. It's 2020. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, he already knows. I already so, know this. And again, I mean, I didn't sit down and analyze it. And honestly, there there would be lots of contenders for sure. Probably. Uh, no, actually, I think this is my only one in kind of my all-time top five other than Baby Driver, but that one is below this one um that that was in this decade uh and just kind of from the first time i watched it which sam showed it to me for the first time i'd mm-hmm. never watched it i didn't have a netflix subscription am i spoiling what this movie is now <laughs> um <laughs> at the time and so he's like you haven't seen the trial of the chicago seven mm-hmm. <laughs> and um uh, so we sat down and watched it and I think, I don't know, he left before the movie was over and I was just glued to it. And then, like, I went home and watched it the next day and, like, <laughs> have successfully watched it uh-huh. a couple times a month <laughs> since the first time that I've watched it. Yep. And it's for, it's for so many reasons and some, like, that I can't even get into because basically I'm, like, a major cynic who just doesn't trust anyone. And so, like, for all these bad people to be the the establishment, you know, that's creating all these problems for regular people who are just trying to be free, mm-hmm. it kind of speaks to me in in ways that it doesn't, I mean, that that other movies don't sure. uh, often. And just sure. perfectly executed, in my opinion. And I'm somebody who has no concept of how you would even do that <laughs> i have zero experience or training in in any of that regard but i mean it's it's got it's got to be perfect and the way that it's edited the whole montage where they're going through ah oh, the the undercover people who are like being introduced and then it's like slam and they're in the court and they're saying yeah i'm a detective for the chicago police department or whatever yeah. and the guy just leans over in the middle of all of that like blurred in the background the dude is testifying guy leans over at the bench and says you think it's possible that seven guys were leading ten thousand undercover cops in chicago <laughs> or whatever and then that's like a five second clip of that movie yep. that's not even totally relevant to the story it was just given to you because aaron sorkin is amazing right uh-huh. and that's only one of those on top of like dozens of others <laughs> and all the performances are just great. Uh, yeah. The, uh, what's the guy's name? He has a funny name. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, the Bobby, the Bobby seal guy. Oh yeah. What's his name. Oh, I can never remember his name either. It's not Mahershala Ali. It's really long. The no, guy who was in Aquaman like... or no, yeah. Aquaman. What's his name? Kyle? It's Yahya Abdul Mateen. The third. There you go. He's in the new Candyman, right? Yeah. Go see that. (laughs) I just watched the old Candyman. I haven't seen the new one yet. (laughs) He's awesome. He was awesome in that. Like I talked about the whole uh, 
shoot, now I can't remember her name. The the pieces of a woman lady, Vanessa Kirby, mm-hmm. and how she did the thing behind the eyes. Yeah. Like, and all that changed was behind the eyes. So the scene with Bobby Seal and he's, you know, tied to the chair, Bound and all you see is his face. He doesn't say any words, but it changes behind the eyes, and it's oh, yeah. like, oh. <laughs> it's like you know what that guy's feeling because he's projecting it into your soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. And then that scene and where Mark Rylance. Oh my. Yeah, with Mark Rylance and the other guy whose name I don't actually know, and uh, Frank. Oh, what's his name? The judge. Jella. What? Oh, Langella. Yeah, Langella. When he's like, "This is the first time. You're the first person who's ever accused me of being prejudiced." He's like, "Let it be known that I'm the second. <laughs> like during that Let scene, the record show that I am the second. So <laughs> Let good. the record show. I think most of why it's good on top of everything is just all of the Aaron Sorkin gratuitousness. Oh, it's yeah. like, here you go, people have all these things that you can go, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I do every single time. Yep. It's very good. I love Aaron Sorkin. That was my favorite movie from 2020. Oh, and oh my gosh, and Emotional Resolution. <laughs> and it was surprising huh? and so incredibly satisfying. Yep. Like, I wanted to stand and cheer and throw my fist in the air at the end of that movie. Do it. I still do it while I'm watching it. I'll sit there and throw it up. I got tears in my eyes right now. Just uh-huh. <laughs> That is uh, well deserving of that spot. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what I would put at the top. Sorry, go ahead, Kyle. Oh, sorry. I, I was just saying you can't beat that, right? Like, people can say what they want about craft and everything, but ultimately something's affected if it gives you that feeling yeah. that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. That's the best you can hope for, right? Yeah. Definitely. That's the best I can hope for. That's <laughs> that's what I'm looking for out of a cinematic experience. So that's the one that gets me. Yeah. For sure. Something like that would probably be um, at the top of my list too. Again, our lists are very similar, Kyle. Um, stuff like I love Inception, but I can't put it at the top because I don't know how it ends. Right? <laughs> like I don't know what happens at the <laughs> end of that movie. Um, some of the ones that I don't that I probably would have had on my list just because they were kind of revolutionary to me um you i mean you had tinker taylor soldier spy on yours and or did you you didn't have that in your top you had that in one of your actor ones or whatever that's a movie that as long and slow as it is i can watch that movie over and over and over again because the acting is great and it's just a great story and it's john le car who did that one his name is car right so of course i'm gonna love it uh moneyball would definitely be on there birdman i really like birdman like just a weird movie like that you're like i can feel normal stuff while watching this weird thing unlike mulholland drive where it's like i have no idea what's going on and i'm just confused by the end of it like (laughs) that would be a really confusing movie if it didn't have such a great story behind it um birdman is um i really like looper looper is one of my all-time favorite movies um and that came out in that decade as well um, just for story and like, again, you're playing with time travel. It seems like everybody had a time travel movie <laughs> my favorite directors <laughs> did anyway during that, uh, uh-huh. edge of tomorrow is another one that was in that, in that decade. That was really fun. And just from an entertainment perspective, I like that kind of stuff. The ones that I would probably put closest to the top would be Moneyball, spotlight, um, 
And then The Big Short. I really do like The Big Short. That is just a fantastic movie. And so unexpected from Adam McKay, <laughs> knowing Adam McKay's previous work. Like, you did the other guys, and then you did The Big Short. What is happening? Um, but that movie's all, it's kind of got, and it's not like Aaron Sorkin, it's a little bit different, but it's kind of all over the place where you're cutting to different scenes that don't necessarily have anything to do with each other, but they feed really well into each other. And then you have mm -hmm. immense tension based on real stuff that happened and then partial resolution for the characters that you've invested in. But then this like ultimate understanding that there's still more work to be done, like a call to action or whatever, based on the success they were able to have that they don't even necessarily feel great about. Um, that's, mm -hmm. that's a com as complex <laughs> an entertaining movie as I can think of. And I'd probably put the big short at the top for the decade for me. Yeah, that's good. I forgot about that. It was on the list in front of me. That was a good one. And Steve Carell's <laughs> like a billion dollars, but he's like vomiting at the same time. Like the sickness in his voice right. when he's like, I yeah. want. It's really good. It's yeah. another great Steve Carell performance. And a Christian Bale performance. So yeah angry yeah yeah <laughs> like that provokes a powerful emotional response yeah it's worse when it's real right yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even in the stuff that movie where they tell you it's not real you're like that's fine like i'll go along with this <laughs> he looks yeah. at the camera he's like this isn't exactly how it happened you're like that's okay thanks for telling me <laughs> like yeah. uh -huh. right. <laughs> and even the weirdos uh -huh. are likable like brad pitt's character is just a total weirdo and then like you root for him you know i don't know it's that's just a fantastic movie. And it works really well for this game because you get all of those people in a movie together. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. so I'm expecting lots of big short connections. Indeed, <laughs> exactly. In <the> <laughs> for sure. Oh, and David O. Russell. I did, we haven't talked about David O. Russell at all, but David O. Russell kind of exploded in this decade too with Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper and whoever else is in all those movies. And I really do enjoy those too, but I wouldn't put them higher than anything else that I had on there. So, mm -hmm. yep. Silver Lang's playbook is great though. Now that I think about it, I need to reshuffle that one somewhere. <laughs> Was that in the day? I did 20, go back. 2011? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was later. Though. Um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I, I did go back to rewatch some of those and there I, you know, I tinkered with this list a lot, and I had some of those movies on here, and they ended up getting bumped out for other stuff. Sure. Um, except maybe a Jennifer Lawrence performance somewhere, maybe. Winter's yeah, Winter's Bones, Bones. I think, is what you had in there, yeah. Oh, which is not David O. Russell, so. No. Right. But that is a breakout yeah. performance that is of note in that decade, so. Mm -hmm. And the same year Ooh. as the Haley Steinfeld one, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, that was my first exposure to um, Deborah Granick as a director, and all of her movies are phenomenal. So, what else does uh, she do? She, you've told me about another one of hers. Yeah, she. I think she also did Ain't Them Body Saints, but mm -hmm. then more recently she did um, Leave No Trace, which was my first exposure to Tomasin McKenzie, who is now one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And in the new Edgar Wright movie, wait. so can you make me like? Can you make me like Leave No Trace? Did you not like it? Not like it. 
I was very tired when I watched it, and I'm sure that factored in because it was kind of super boring. But make me, I want to hear <laughs> how Kyle slow. would make it like. It is. It was slow. sad. It was okay. Again, take what you've learned about me. Personal <laughs> resolution to enjoy, <laughs> and now make me like that movie. I don't know if I can under the constraints. <laughs> well, you did pretty well with the last one. I don't even remember what the last one was. Just give me your general argument for that movie. Um, I mean, it's another capitalist critique like some of the other movies on this list. I think it largely has to do with the way that uh, we pressure people into desperate situations and then take advantage of them. And if we can't take advantage of them, then uh, we just kind of cast them aside. And so we end up with a lot of homelessness and we end up with a lot of unnecessary sickness and death and things like that because, um, you know, as a society, we don't really care that much about people unless they are doing something that we see as providing utility, right? So that movie really hones in on Ben Foster's character and how uh, he was just cast aside because the people in that town didn't see him as useful, mm -hmm. how he may have had some disabilities, right, that kept him from being useful in, a, in an economic sense, right? But he was still valuable because he had his daughter and his relationship to his daughter, the fact that he is a person who can love and empathize and everything made him intrinsically valuable, but people just wouldn't see it except well, and, his family. And provide for and educate and everything else that he did. Maybe, well, Kyle doesn't have kids, but maybe when you have kids, you'll appreciate it more. Because when I watch a sure. movie like that, with understanding my relationship and responsibility to my children, it, it hits different nerves for me as well than even those that Kyle mentioned. So it's right. a very, it was intense for me. Um, and yeah, it was depressing at times, but <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because it seems like, like when he has the chance to come back, he's like trying to pull himself back out of it. Mm -hmm. Or is it just like damaged, psychology based on the way that the community treated him in the first place or well, like he didn't he, trust he kind of right? established his own was. lifestyle at that point right um, that's true so at some point he just he wanted to be left alone i think yeah, <laughs> yeah. to to do his thing without interference but um yeah i think it's that frustration too right uh in the we'll find something for you to do that will make it that will be beneficial to us. And if we can't, then we're frustrated with you, but we also don't want you to go do your own thing because that's somehow breaking the rules that we have. Like he was living in a right. park or something and they made right. this yeah. huge, huge deal about right. it because right, he's right. like, well, you can't be in our park. Like, right. well, you own everything. Where do you want me to go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the whole yeah. premise, yeah. right? Yeah. It was that he was hiding from the people cause they wouldn't let him be there. Yeah. You're right. That's uh that's, I like that. You you did it. Good job. You did it. You did it, Kyle. Great. I don't I don't analyze movies like this. I mean, <laughs> in general, maybe I should. What I need is like a Kyle Hammond's review of every new movie that I watch. You need a Unless podcast called Movangelist. Movie Angelist. Movie Evangelist. Where you can convert <laughs> people to movies. Me. So, yeah. 
<laughs> it's movie evangelist. That's what it would be. <laughs> I just need a, a spinoff podcast where he brings me movies he doesn't like, and then I try and make a case for them. I would listen to this Let's every day. Guaranteed every day. I have so many movies I that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Hours of content. <laughs> so worried about when we run into the ones that neither of us like yeah, yeah. i think then call okay, me though. because i'll i'll tell you why i like those so. <laughs> good good <laughs> uh excellent well thanks again for hanging out with us kyle this has been a blast and uh at some point we're gonna have to get to the rest of this list because you are very detailed in um in all the stuff that you covered there so thank you again as always it's fun hanging out with you um tell us What's going on in your life that you can tell us about in the form of a shout out or plug or anything that you would like to promote, um, but not the stuff that you can't promote. I'm just teasing people by letting them know there's something that you can't promote. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, that news may be around the corner soon. Cool. Or some things happening this fall. Uh, so if y'all want to talk more about this list you can hop on to my movie talk with kyle hammond's facebook group and i'd be glad for any of the the listeners who want to hang out there it's a great and, time uh, I, I can personally attest lots of lots of links and chats and notes and observations and kyle's um what's the word incredulousness on certain things <laughs> <laughs> You posted the Timothy Chalamet Wonka thing the other day. And then immediately after that, I saw a post with Daniel Day-Lewis from Gangs of New York. And it was like, here's Timothy Chalamet in the new Wonka. <laughs> it's like, that's hilarious <laughs> with the coat and the hat. But um, yeah, it's a good time over there at uh, at that group. And I will share a link with that on, on our socials as well so people can find it. Thanks, man. Yeah. And then when you when you're allowed to announce the other thing, let us know because I'm going to announce that too. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about it, and uh, hopefully I will get a, a book deal going for this stuff I'm working on for the Joker. So if there's other superhero fans yes. out there, your fingers crossed for me. I am in negotiation with the publisher right now, but it's not a done deal. So awesome! If I have more on that later. I would love to share it with you. Please do. Um, and after you're a published author and you make a bunch of money, I'm going to leak your first draft of the <laughs> death of the family <laughs> paper that you sent me. And then I'll get rich <laughs> off of you being rich. So we'll, we'll all make out at the end here. Um, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Everything for being get off of that 50 cents I'm going to make from this book. <laughs> it's gonna be great <laughs> perfect thanks again buddy um paul good to see you too as always likewise good hangs good hangs yeah this was good guys. go watch arrival i'm gonna go watch several of these movies now that i'm Jones i have and literally like 10 them. movies written down it's like watch rewatch watch watch <laughs> perfect um all right well thanks everybody for hanging out that was Paul, I was Sam, and that was Dr. Batman, Kyle Hammonds. Today we've been hanging out on the Hollywood Cast Connection. We'll see you guys next time. Oh, 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 oh.